0: Good afternoon, I'm June Tinsley, Head of Communications with the NCBI, um, and today I have the pleasure of having a chat with Brian Manning, um, who works with NCBI as an IT trainer down in the southwest. Thanks very much, Brian, for having a chat with me today. No problem. Good, good, good. Um, today we were having a chat about um, the relationship between Braille, its usage, and um, the advances in assistive technology and I suppose that the dynamic between um, Braille and assistive technology. But to begin with, Brian, if I could ask you just to kind of give a bit of a, a context to, to, to yourself and to the role that you have in NCBI.
1: Well, um, as, I, as you say, I do the IT training and the technology support in Cork and Kerry. My background would be, um, my background, would be, I would have studied in UCC, um, way back in the eighties and the early nineties. And there I did a graduate diploma in computer science. So I suppose that's why, that's, that's what brought me to the whole technology table within NCBI. I started with NCBI itself um, in 2001. Right. So I'm there almost 19 years now. And I've been working in technology support and training as I say for the past almost 19 years. Um, and I suppose, um, the reason why you asked me to do this, uh, the podcast, is because recently I submitted an article to the NCBI Technology News just relating to the whole role and the position of braille within the whole technology debate, not just in Ireland, I suppose, internationally today. And the argument that I made in that particular article was that, like, in no way does technology replace braille. And like, I suppose, if anything, Braille complements technology. And again, I mean, like, the, 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 I suppose the point I was making in the in the article that is that Braille still very much has its place in the whole training and education, particularly of, of, of blind children, people who are born with sight loss, because obviously these children, they get, like all children, they need to learn numeracy, they'll need to learn le- literacy, they need to, you know, to, to spell into cult. and to um, count. And so, therefore, I mean, Braille is the, is, is the obvious medium for that training. So, yeah. obviously, if, if a child is, needs to learn literacy, they need to learn to read. If they can't see regular conventional text, then the text provided by Braille is an obvious substitute. And, again, children need to lead to learn numeracy. and. Um, and again I mean braille Braille operates as a, as a great medium of, of learning maths through uh through braille so and
0: what do you think are the kind of the, the common usage of Braille today well I mean
1: there are a number of cohorts of people that are using Braille and that would find Braille um indispensable I mean again I'll allude to the children learning you know just just, just Going to education, that the Braille has an obvious role there. As a commu- tool of communication, I think Braille is hugely significant for deaf-blind people, people with dual sensory loss, and so therefore a lot of these um, a lot of these conditions. I mean, you know, the, the the um a person may be born with sight loss but acquires the hearing loss. So that gives educators an excellent opportunity to teach Braille to um, deafblind people at a very young age. And then, I mean, because of the whole digitization of Braille, now you have Braille note-takers and we have Braille displays that uh, deafblind people can use as a tool of communication. So, for example, the scenario or the picture that I tried to paint in the article would be where a deafblind person in, just say, a social setting, like a restaurant or, or a pub, could um, we would, it would just say a 14-cell braille display connected to to an iPhone. Just go into an app such as Pages or go into the Notes app, and just tap the dictate button. Ask a question to the person you know to the person sitting next to them. Again, the scenario I gave was what's the score in the match. Once the the, the dictation button is activated, which you can do with a, a simple braille command, um, on so a simple braille command. It operates. It activates the, the dictation. So, for example, if I'm a deafblind person and I ask you the score in the match, if you speak, then the answer will come up in the braille display. So, therefore, again, and I mean, like that, that has so many, that has so many um, opportunities for deafblind people to open communication co- communications that up to now would have been very, very limited to them, you know. So therefore, I mean, all the all of the the, the, the sighted person, or all of the person that a deafblind person is communicating is doing, is just talking, anyway. The way you talk to, you know, a, a, we talk to be talked to a blind person, we'll say, you're just speaking, and the digitised braille is coming up on the braille display, so you can actually. I don't know, you know, see why you can't have a full, a fully functional conversation with a deafblind person, No, using those facilities. And again, I mean, like, even from an entertainment perspective, I mean, what we've done in NCBI, we've set up a braille group recently, and what we've been researching, and we, 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 we've had quite positively, um, we've come up with some good results where a deafblind person now can actually read subtitles through a braille display on, we say, an app like Netflix. So therefore, I mean, if the deafblind person starts a programme, and the subtitles are activated on it, then those subtitles will come up for a deafblind person. So, you know, like I was watching The the Vicar of Dibley recently, just using the, uh, reading the braille, and it, it worked out quite well. Now, what I would say to you in a scenario like that, you would really need to be fairly, a fairly competent, a fairly fast braille reader, because obviously the dialogue, like the braille is keeping up with the speed of the dialogue. So therefore, you would have to be a fast braille reader. But again, a lot of these people are very proficient braille readers, anyway.
0: Yeah, that's true. Especially if they've learned it uh, from birth. Um, from birth,
1: yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, even from terms. an entertainment perspective, like you I mean, you know, they like they could watch the Vicar of Dibley, but even from a, like you could throw on historical documentaries, or you can, you know, you can just so there's so many opportunities for advanced entertainment. Therefore. For deafblind people who maybe traditionally wouldn't have thought to to use things like Netflix or, you know, YouTube, you know, those those things. So again, Braille has a definite role for people who are deafblind. Again, I mean, another cohort of people that could use Braille would be, for example, professional blind people who may need to give presentations or do lectures or, you know, even minute meetings and things like that. And again, I mean, because okay, you can use you can use some of the screen readers, but I mean, the screen reading then will get in the way of your presentation. Whereas if it's if you're using braille to support your notes, for example, like I mean, it's it's there, it's it's in the background. No one even needs to know that you're using the braille. So therefore, and again, braille is very miniaturized now because of you know because of the um, the screen re- or because of the um, braille note takers. So whereas before braille was very cumbersome and your average kind of document of notes would be quite a, a tome would be that, bug, that big a book. Yeah. Whereas now, because it's in the notetaker, because it's on the Braille display, it's miniaturised it's and it's there in front of you, so you can use it. And a point I made in that article actually was that, I mean, Linda Linda Dorian, who would be the Disability Support Officer in UCC UCC, after very recently was, was encouraging the blind graduates there to, to actually learn Braille just for that particular purpose. So there are another that that would be another group of people that are very successfully using Braille.
0: And can I ask, Brian? I mean, it, it's great to see, hear that um, entertainment companies are adopting Braille as a way to make their um, content more accessible. And the more people that know about that, that that's a, a brilliant thing. But I suppose I'm just curious, given you've been um, a long time with the organisation, have you noticed, has there been more or has there been fewer people approaching you who would be regular Braille users?
1: Well, I mean, I suppose the traditional thing that I would have seen now throughout the years would have been, you know, we just say a person that may have lost their sight in their 30s or 40s because of an accident or something like that. And the first thing they would do is when they meet me is they would say, OK, I suppose I need to learn Braille what I would say to that group of people is, no, you don't need to learn Braille, you need to learn technology, you need to learn screen reading technology, you need to learn, you know, OCR technology, you know, text reading technology. Um, so, so I mean, and, and to an extent, the technology has, insofar, it, it, it would never replace Braille, but insofar, it has superseded Braille to that extent that not every blind person needs to learn Braille. Um and again just to get back to the previous point as well uh june about the entertainment and about the netflix i mean to be honest with you the fact that we that we we have access to those to 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 that digitized brain, it's more kind of a a, it's not by design on the part of 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 these app designers it's just you know the way that you you would need to set up your iphone and you need to need to have the proper settings and to know those settings i suppose but um and, and and again, I suppose the what I refer to there with the, you know, the the, the person, middle aged person who's lost their sight recently, who thinks they need to learn braille, again, they can learn braille. Braille would be no disadvantage to them. It's just they don't need to learn braille anymore.
0: Yes, that's true. That's true. And as I said, if you've learned it from birth, it's it's just such an a uh, resource to you. Absolutely, think. and I mean, yeah. like I I learnt
1: my braille. I learnt my braille when I was ten or something like that. But I, I didn't go to the um I didn't go to the um special school in Dublin. I didn't go to St Joseph's. I went there for two weeks or something like that. But so I I went to mainstream uh, school here in Cork, and so therefore I was never really that heavily dependent on braille because my my teachers didn't know braille, for example, and and to just didn't go to the trouble of learning Braille. So therefore, I mean, like one of the, the first skills I learned as a child was to touch type, as well as Braille. And then like, obviously it could produce the homework and and uh, it, it was a conventional text. But what I do know is I do know other blind people who did go and who did receive their education totally through Braille and they love the medium of Braille. So for example, to me, it's perfectly natural to sit and listen to an audio book, that's, that's my preferred medium. That's that's what I prefer to do if I'm reading a book, is to listen to an audible book and and I can follow it. And I, I, that's how I do my reading. All right, yes. even JAWS, I, I like listening to JAWS. If I have to read a professional document, I'll actually get JAWS to read it because I can follow JAWS, I, I can follow the intonation of JAWS. Whereas the people who have received their education through Braille, a lot of those people will tell you that that's the medium they're happiest with. That's how they work best. So, for example, I do know people like who are if they're reading a book, they prefer to have it in braille, or if they're reading notes, they prefer to have them in notes. You know, it's it's similar to the argument. You know, they, like do you have a hard, does a sighted person read a hard copy book, or do they read the electronic version on Kindle or something like that? A lot of the people say they f- they love the feel of the book. The tactile touch of the book. And it's yeah. the same for a lot of people who are born to Braille, I suppose born who learned Braille from that early age. They prefer that the, the intimacy of the actual book itself, you know?
0: Correct. And I suppose um I suppose uh not all books are available in Braille. Um so they can be a bit limited that way. And I suppose the NCBI Library assists in making sure that books are available in Braille, both in a in a hard copy, as you say, but also digitalized.
1: Exactly. And I mean, most books now should be really available in digitised Braille because, you know, the whole Marrakesh project that, you know, the NCB yeah. library staff worked on, I mean, any of those books, that are available now in BRF. So, which means that, um, that they can't, like, if you have your, your note taker or if you have your Braille display, then you can actually have access to them in Braille, which is, again, it's a fantastic, fantastic initiative.
0: Correct, yeah, it just it extends the um, breadth of content to individuals Absolutely. who use Braille.
1: When That's I different. was a young fella, I, I was very good. I was a brilliant scholar of William Butler Yeats when I was a young fella. And the reason why I was a brilliant scholar of William Butler Yeats is because it's the only book that could get me in Braille. So, right. totally, things have totally changed. Things have yeah. totally changed now and everything is available in Braille with proper equipment.
0: And in, in terms of when you were in college, was accessing um, resources and, and books and stuff um, in your preferred format available to you then?
1: No, definitely not. I mean, I, I started in UCC in 1988. This makes me right. sound really, really old, but I was a child prodigy. I was only, I was only three. <laughs> but, um, no, but well, and what actually happened that time was I was the first division impaired um, student in the college. So, what we, uh, NCBI again, I linked in with NCBI at the time. We had um, a social worker, we would have called her then, uh, Fanula O'Donovan. And she helped me. What we did was we set up a reading pool within the library. There was a lady in the library called Pat, uh, Patricia McNamee. And between Fanula, myself, and Pat, Pat McNamee, we set up a reading pool. So, all of the librarians and some of the college staff. All uh, you know, got involved in whatever I needed to read because the the I did arts for my primary degree, and right. it was very very kind of reading heavy. So there's a lot of books that we had to put onto tape. We had to buy tape recorders and tapes and put them all onto tape. And I mean, like the disability support office and the disability support service in the college you now kind of emerged from that particular reading pool. I know it's perhaps the best, the most successful disability support service in. Definitely in Ireland, anyway, I would argue, but and, again, June, I mean, like, I still have a role because of my position within NCBI. I mean, I would still meet a lot of the students as they come into UCC, the blind students, and I mean, like, I see them now with their their little laptops and their little iPads and everything is miniaturized and everything is there for them, whereas at the time it was a huge logistical operation just so that I could get my me, me history books yeah. and my sociology books read, you know? So, yeah, and I think. Said-
0: uh, while you look on with them um, with envy, I'm sure it is fabulous that the um, processes and technology has evolved to such an extent where 100%. you do have access, um, and obviously the the bookshare initiative certainly helps that as well.
1: That's going to help that hugely, you know, as well. You know, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone described my degree, my first, my primary degree. Someone actually described it as more a community degree than my degree because there's so many other people had to work. Right. Putting the reading material together, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this Whereas now it's
1: just there for you. It's it's almost at your fingertips. You know, it's just brilliant.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, and and well deserved. In fairness, for uh, and I, it, the more students that are aware of it, the better. So that, that absolutely. I mean, we
1: have really hugely made the transition from from segregated education to mainstream education, and then I mean, from secondary education. I mean, if you're a blind person and you have the ability and the aptitude, then there's no reason why you can't go to third level. So that kind of transition into mainstream third level education has been made. I suppose the next challenge is to, is to make the next logical step, which is from third level education into employment. So that's the the one we need to be challenging now, I think, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I suppose it's just um, to make sure that um, all students who do achieve um, their degree or whatever, have a a clear progression path and that the barriers to their career are eroded as much as possible. So far as they can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I suppose just to conclude there, Brian, I mean, obviously you're um, both passionate about Braille, but also about assistive technology. And in essence, is it fair to say in your view that they do complement each other and there's a clear role for for each um, and one won't supersede the other?
1: Absolutely. One would you know they definitely do complement each other. And, you know, like they 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 both have their own in, their own significant roles in, I suppose, the progression of blind people, be it through education or in the workplace. So Braille will never be replaced. Some of the roles that that, that Braille might have, that Braille users would have used Braille far before, have now kind of been taken over by, by assistive technology, by screen reading technology and by OCR technology. Um, and just the general technologies of reading anyway, you know, be it the electronic uh, formats and stuff like that. But Braille will always have its place for for blind and vision impaired people. And obviously, assistive technology going forward will be a huge influence in in every blind person's life.
0: And I suppose just to um, conclude there and kind of highlight to listeners that um, anyone listening to this and interested in learning more about how Braille has become digitalized or getting any assistance in um, upskilling in that space or any assistive technology can contact um, Brian and the team there in NCBI Labs through the info line which is
1: 1850 33 43 53. Or just email labs at ncbi.ie and we have a great team of IT trainers all in the various regions in the country and we can put you in contact with the person in your region and they can help you along your your path?
0: Yes, exactly. exactly. Well, listen, Brian, thanks very much for having a chat with us today, and um we we hope this podcast will help in inform and reassure um Braille users of the advantages of Braille.
1: Thank you, Jill.
0: Thank you.